welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. Open up your Bibles. You want to pull your Bibles out, and you'll see a pew Bible. You can grab one there, and we're going to open up our Bibles to two different places in our scriptures. We're going to be in Luke chapter 5, and we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Luke chapter 5, 2 Timothy chapter 1. That's where we're going to be in God's Word. So this here, we are in a sermon series on the family. And this is a passage, this, uh, many ways, this is probably my, my favorite of all the messages here, because we're going to teach, I'm going to show us in the Bible that Jesus teaches us that there's actually a strength and there's a danger and being alone. Now, when I use the word alone, I am not talking about you're either married or you're not married. You're either widowed or divorced or you are unhappily married. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about throughout our days and just as we go around life, there are times where we are uh, very busy doing things, engaged with other people, uh, very active, and are mentally even, you can actually be alone with no other people around you, but your mind, you have so many things on your to-do list and on your agenda for the day, you, are not, you don't even have time to stop and think about what you're up to because you're so in, engaged in what you're doing. But we're going to see here in the Bible that there are times in our life that on a daily basis, we have to get alone with God, and that is the only way we will have a positive influence on other people around us. I'm going to show you this. Because it's your time with God, your daily aloneness with the Lord, that actually overflows in every area of your life, including your family. Have you ever found yourself very irritable towards your other family members, maybe your spouse, you're married, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your children, your great, and you're just like, you know, everything's a fight, you don't get along, it's your happiest moments is when they're on one side of the house and you're on the other, and you invest the best times in the world where the farthest you can stay away and non-communication is the best and the, uh, the wonderful times, and you find yourself no matter who these people are in your life that you regularly see, and it might not be just family. These are folks at work. These are folks at school. These are your roommates in college. You just, you know, just, well, I don't even like them. It's just like, it's just like there's, just, there's constant, the, the less you have to interact with them, the better. You've realized that in life. And what I think what we have to uh, see here in our Bibles is in order to overcome that, and I believe actually the only way to overcome that is actually going to come from our relationship with Jesus. Because when you spend time alone with God, it actually, that is the best way to actually influence all your other friendships, family, family relationships, friends at school, co-workers. That's the only, pos- only possible way. Because what happens is you have nothing to give. When you're, or all you're doing is just going through life, just a million and one things to do. You're drained, you're irritable, you're just like, get out of my way, I've got to do this. Um, I mean, 
I drive the speed limit. And this past week, I got passed on Clay's Mill Road. And, like, it's an illegal pass. Like, you can't pay. It wasn't, it was the two-lane part of Clay's Mill Road. Like, it wasn't, there wasn't another lane to get past. I mean, this lady was so, I mean, she just in such a hurry. She passed me totally illegally. It's so bad. If somebody was pulling out on the other side of the road making a right turn, they would just drive head on into her. Like, now, if, you, before, if you're making a right turn, not only have to you look the other way, make sure. You have to look that way, make sure somebody's not driving on the wrong side of the road because they're just so... Uh, anxious driving 60 miles an hour wherever they're going. And what happens, we can find ourselves going through life that way. And where you just, you just have so much to do, so much is on your mind, uh, you're, you're overflowing. And I want to tell you, the Lord doesn't want us to live that way. You will not have a close walk with Jesus. You won't even be thinking about being used by Jesus. Your conversations will be awful throughout the day. And it's just, it's draining. And we're going to see here in our Bibles, that Jesus is going to show us that our alone time is actually our best time. And it's our, our time with God. All right, you've got your Bible here. We're opening up our Bible to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 5, verse 12. My favorite book of the Bible, book of Luke. Second favorite book, book of Genesis. Number 12, it says, While he was in one of the towns, Jesus had just called his 12 disciples. And he was traveling around, going town to town teaching. And he's in a town. And he's going to meet a man. It says, from there he met a man who had leprosy all over him. Leprosy is a skin disease. Leprosy is the cancer of Bible times. Now, leprosy, although there is an endemic going on right now in Florida, leprosy, Zach, you can still get leprosy, but there it takes about one year of a treatment plan if you get it. And it's a skin disease that in Bible times they didn't have treatment for it, but literally your fingers, is, this is gruesome, your toes, they fall off. Your face, your skin peels off. It kills you back in Bible times. There was, no, there was no medicine to cure it. So if you had leprosy, what happened was you found yourself in total isolation. You were truly alone. The only people you were around were other lepers. So they lived on the outskirts of town in leper colonies. And they, the way you would, they would get their food is somebody would show up and drop off a plate of food. And then after they're like 150 feet away, then the leper would walk over there and eat the food and then leave the plate. And like a week later, somebody would come back in and get it. I mean, it's just a very uh, tragic disease back in Bible times. It would be like cancer today if there was no treatment whatsoever for cancer. It's a death sentence back then. So this leper, Jesus goes into a town, and this man has leprosy. His skin is eating away at his body. He, he hears Jesus is coming in town. So what has supposed to happen, he's supposed to stay on the outskirts of town. So if a leper walked into town, first of all, they weren't supposed to walk into town because this is a contagious disease. But if he did walk into town, all the people would be like parting of the Red Sea. They would run away. Because if you saw the man, you would know his face, skin's falling off his face. He's starting to run away. And it paves the way for this man to essentially go right up to Jesus. But notice he's not going to go straight up to Jesus because he's not allowed to get too close to people because he's a leper. So he you know, saw Jesus from a little way. So he has leprosy, it says, all over him. means he's eaten away in his skin. He saw Jesus, he fell face down. And he begged him. So he sees Jesus. He's probably 30 feet away, 50 feet away. And he, 
he falls face down. So it's like he can't walk all the way down the aisle. He stops halfway. And he falls down. And he's crying out and he's begging Jesus face down. He says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. So probably all the other people, when they saw the leper, they went away. Because they don't want to be near the man. So at this point, you know, the people are probably a few hundred feet away from this is Jesus and his leper. They're having this conversation. Jesus walks up to this man and says, reaching out his hand. So Jesus came to him. He's the one that walked up to him. He reached out his hand and he touched him. That was a no-no right there. Because leprosy would be spread through human touch. And Jesus touched this man. And he said, I am willing, be made clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Just like that. No problem at all. The miracle was easy for Jesus. He was able to cure this man with no problem. Then he ordered him to tell no one. They're having this private conversation while everybody's standing around, probably in awe. But go and show yourself to the priest and offer what Moses had commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. So if you were healed in the Bible, according to the book of Leviticus chapter 14, you were to present yourself to the priest if you were sick and they declare you clean. Then you have to give a sacrifice and make an offering to the Lord. And if you were very wealthy, you would give lambs. They had different, basically, you, your offering was dependent upon how much money you had. If you were very poor, you gave what they called two turtle doves. That's why we know Jesus was poor, because when J- Mary and Joseph went to make their offering to the Lord, uh, when Jesus, uh, Jesus' baby dedication, his birth, they brought turtle doves, uh, what the poor people would bring. So this man here is to go and present himself as clean, and that way he could be readmitted into society. His skin is, is, is pure and clean again. But the news about him spread even more. So word gets out what Jesus has done here. You can't keep it a secret. And large crowds would come together to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. So the crowds are getting big. Jesus' schedule is getting busier. So all these folks are wanting Jesus' attention. They're wanting Jesus' healing ability. So you would think, think about a time in your life where you feel like you have so much to do, and it's not getting less busy, it's getting more busy. Well, that was Jesus right here. But look what happened. Look what Jesus does. And this is our example for us. Yet often... Jesus withdrew to deserted places and prayed. As he got busier, instead of devoting more time to ministry and helping others, he's like, I'm out of here. It's time for me to go. I'm going to withdraw as what the principle we see as the Jesus' crowds grew, Jesus withdrew. So where did he withdraw to? He went to pray. He said, my time with my Father is more important than me going around healing people and helping them. Now, if Jesus believed that, if the Son of God, who had the ability to heal people and wanted to teach about the kingdom of God, valued His time so much with His heavenly Father, how much more for us? We don't have the ability to heal. Only Lord can heal. We, don't, we aren't the Son of God. 
So you see how much more for us to have a alone time with God. This man here, the leper, and Jesus have a lot in common. The leper, because he has leprosy, wherever he would go, by default, people are going to run away from him. He sees Jesus. He falls face down at Jesus, and he's begging for Jesus. And he's likely alone. Now, he's not totally alone. Probably the people a few hundred feet away, they're watching him, but they aren't fully aware of everything going on. They know this guy's a leper. And Jesus and him have a time of healing and restoration right there. And Jesus commissions the man to go back to the priest. And as Jesus gets more and more busy later in this story, as the crowds continue to grow and more and more people come to him, he withdraws to his father. The leper needed Jesus. And Jesus needed his father. These were both 101 encounters that occurred. They were both alone. And what happened, in order for Jesus to do the things He wanted to do, He knew, I must make a priority my time with my Father. And I think the principle for us, what we see, we have to make sure that we are not giving ourselves too much to other people. Say, Pastor, what do you mean by that? If you or I aren't careful, and I promise the devil will literally make sure we're doing this, you will find yourself too busy for God. Too busy for God. It is possible. You will have so much to do, so many needs to meet, so many people to please, you will not find your daily time with God. And then when you don't do that, when you are never alone with the Lord, you have nothing to give to other people. You're, don't, you're critical. You're a complainer. You're drained. You know, they say in marriage, you never make a major decision past like 8 or 9 o'clock at night. If you called me at 9 o'clock at night, I'm literally a zombie. I have nothing to say. I mean, it's just, you're just drained. You're just, uh, you, uh, you can't even think straight at 9.30 at night. Well, how can you even make a major decision? Like that. That is, that's what happens. So a lot of times what happens is when we, it's 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night, when we think, oh, I need to spend time with God. The time you're spending with God is just truly leftovers. Like second day leftovers. Like food nobody wants to eat out of the fridge. It's the worst time of your, that you're giving to God. And you're wondering, why don't I feel close to God? We give our best. You almost have to say, when am I most alert? When am I most attentive? When am I most sensitive to hearing from God? And whenever that is in your day, that's going to be the time I, I make priority to be alone with the Lord. If Jesus, He's giving us an example. He withdrew from all the busyness He had to do. And He is in a deserted place and he's alone with the Lord. That is our example. That is our strength of being alone. I want to tell you, your alone time with God, that is the key to unlocking every relationship and having great influence over all of your family and your friends because it just overflows. You're not a negative person. You're not all of a sudden a, a, a critical, just agitated angry, just mad all the time because you can't finish your to-do list. 
It's something that we want. And we have to watch out for entrusting ourselves to other people, letting other people make our agenda. Because this actually happened to Jesus. I'm not going, we don't need to turn there, but I'm going to put the Bible verses up on the screen. John chapter 2, verses 24 and 25. I'm going to put this up on the screen here. What happened? Jesus went and turned the money changers' tables over. And the people were really impressed with him. He was doing ministry in the early in the book of John, and he had a lot of followers, and the people were impressed. So then they thought, wow, why don't we make this, this man our king? Because if you're not careful, if you start helping and finishing your to-do list and helping other people, they'll really think highly of you. They say, this guy, you know, they always say, if you want something done, you go find the busiest person and you give them work to do. Do you know why? Because busy people know how to get stuff done. That's why they're busy all the time. Literally, you just find whoever's the busiest person in your life. They just give them more stuff. Just pile it on. It's a miracle. They get it all done. Because they know how to get stuff done. That's what busy people do. They just, they're completers. Now, they're exhausted all the time. and They never have time for the Lord, but hey, they'll get whatever you want done. But Jesus here, he has this time where the people want to make him the king. But Jesus didn't come to be the king. And look what he said to the people. Jesus, however, would not entrust himself to them since he knew them all. Verse 25, and because he did not need anyone to testify about man, for he himself knew what was in man. Do you know what that means? Jesus knew these same people who were praising me, who were wanting to make me a king, who think so highly of me right now, Three years later, they will be nailing me to that cross right there. The same people who speak praise will be bringing curses. I'm not going to entrust myself to them. I'm not going to do their to-do list. Whatever they want, I don't want to do it. I'm going to go spend time with the Lord. That is what Jesus knew. That, that phrase, he did not entrust himself. I want to tell you, if you are too busy... If you have no time for God and you, your schedule is 125 miles an hour, that means you have entrusted yourself too much to other people. You're not trusting the Lord. We trust the Lord with our daily time with the Lord, with God, with Jesus. Of spending time where we say, God, I need you to fill me so I can overflow. In Psalm, 20, Psalm 23, David cried out. He talked about how he spends time with the Lord and his cup overflows. It overflows. That's what it looks like from your devotional life. You and I should have a life of one that's overflowing from the Lord. You know, here we are. They were up here talking about pastor and staff appreciation. You, you want a pastor. The most important thing I can do is spend time with God. If I'm always available, that means and I'm not much available to the Lord, you don't have a good pastor. You want to have people who teach Sunday school, people who teach children and youth, their, the, their strength, their leadership influence is actually going to be from their devotional life. Otherwise, they're just going to be drained all the time and agitated and irritated and offer nothing. You get nothing out of their messages and you just think, why is everything so dry? Because his life is dry. That's why. That's what, so Jesus is teaching us our alone time it, we, we cherish it. Now I want to tell you, I was telling you the strengths. I want to quickly go over the dangers. I have them up on the screen. There's actually dangers of alone time too. And here's what they are. If you or I aren't careful with our alone time, 
we will find ourselves actually squandering and wasting our alone time. Number one, you can actually be spiritually alone. That means you're totally isolated. You're not thinking about God. You're not allowing Scripture to uh, meditate throughout your day and your life and your mind. You're just, you're just, it's, 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 the Lord is not there. You're just totally distant from Him. Not only that, you can actually be alone with the wrong person. And that's a, a definitely what you don't want. You're alone with the wrong person. They will certainly lead you astray and you'll be making sinful and foolish decisions. But not only that, and here's the one I think that traps a lot of us here, you can be alone by yourself. What do you mean by that, Pastor? How can you be alone by yourself? Wouldn't that mean the same thing? Alone by yourself. What I'm talking about is when, have you ever heard that phrase, I need some me time. I just want to do whatever I want to do. I just want to do nothing. Well, that can also be very dangerous because what happens when you start thinking that way? You become a selfish and self-centered person. You will feel like, do you know what? All I have been doing is going and going and going and going and going and going and giving myself to other people. And I need to stop and just give myself whatever I need. And yes, you might need to stop, but you need the Lord to fill you up. Not, you can't fill yourself up spiritually. You can't strength, a Christian cannot strengthen themselves. The Lord is our strength. He is the one who fills our cup. He is the one who makes us overflow. And what happens when you're alone? You'll find yourself, if you're not careful and you do this, you'll find yourself becoming a very self-centered, selfish person. And you look within yourself. And then it actually leads to self-pity and depression. And it just you go down this road of thinking very me-centered. That's one of the dangers of being alone when you're not being alone with the Lord. When Jesus was alone, He spent time with His Heavenly Father. He was with the Lord. He knew my alone time is going to be time with God. Last scripture I want to turn to. Turn in your Bible here to 2 Timothy. I want to show you an example of what happens when people, um, when their life is able to overflow into other people's life. Because here's what you're able to give. You, here's the strength. You spend time with God, you get a daily devotional life, and you're going to start being like these three people. We're going to read a th- a three Bible verses right here. You're in the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. This is a story about, there was a young pastor named Timothy. Paul wrote him a letter. Paul helped start this church. Timothy had a grandmother named Lois, and he had a mama named Eunice. His dad and his grandpa were not believers. They weren't Christians. So grandma and mama had to teach Timothy about Jesus. So he received a spiritual inheritance from only mama and grandma. And then Paul was also involved in his life and helped disciple this young man. But what apparently happened in the scripture, when we get to 2 Timothy Timothy started getting discouraged and became maybe fearful and started having some doubts. And his fire, his fire and passion for Jesus began to to dwindle away. And look what happens here. Paul is writing this to Timothy. We're going to read three final verses this afternoon. I recall your sincere faith. This is verse 5. 
that first lived in your grandmother Lois, so that's grandma, he had a sincere faith he received from grandma, and in your mother Eunice. And now, I am convinced, is in you also. That means, Paul saying, Timothy, I knew your grandma, I knew your mama, and they had a devotion, they had a passion for the Lord. And I know that same faith that they have, it's also now in you. Do you know if you want to be a good parent, a good grandparent, you want to have that deep faith from the Lord to give to your children and your grandchildren. That's the best thing we can give them. You don't want to buy them junk. You don't want to just give them toys all the time. You want to give them a faith, a rock-solid belief and faith in Jesus. So when the storms of life come and things hit them, they have the foundation that's built on Christ. Verse 6. Therefore, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God. Look at that phrase. Rekindle the gift of God. What that meant is his uh, faith, apparently, it had started to, to die out. It's like, you know, you have, at one point, you had this big flame, but it's just dwindled down. Timothy, you need to rekindle your faith. And you have to go put some small little twigs and some leaves back on the fire to get it built back up. And then you go back to the basics. That's how you rekindle. If a fire dies out, you don't throw a massive log on top of it. You throw a little leaf, a brown leaf, a dead leaf, a little twig that burns really easy to get it going. A lot of times the way we get strengthened again is just the simple things in life. Of just saying, I'm just going to start going to church. I'm just going to pick up the Bible and start reading it. I'm going to start spending time in prayer. Nothing giant it's just the small daily steps of our devotional life with God that's how we rekindle our faith maybe some of you have fallen out of church and you're getting rekindled just coming to church is step one that's a way to start growing in your faith well that happened to Timothy and this guy's a pastor say I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that was in you through the laying out of my hands meaning Paul laid his hands he prayed over Timothy when he was commissioned to be a young pastor of this church in Ephesus. And he's lifting him up. He's saying, remember when I prayed for you? So now here's the last verse. And here was some of the struggle that he dealt with. In verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. I bet Timothy had become fearful. He probably felt inadequate. Think how easy it is to be fearful in the world today. You know, when Ben Biddle, our chairman of Deacons, made our presentation, when he spoke about Zach, he talked about all the stuff that young people have to deal with today. That's fearful things. You go to school, you're dealing with these issues, you're dealing with how hard it is to be in college and in school, to be bold in your faith when it seems like everyone else is thinking and going the other way. We are the opposite as Christians. We don't live in fear. So how do we live? This verse tells us here. Look at this. So we don't live in fear. I mean, you think about it. What's the worst thing that can happen? If you are a believer in Christ, the worst thing that can happen to you is actually you die. But the good news about that, because Jesus has, resurre- he's, has been resurrected, that's what we celebrate during Easter, we will live again. If we die, that, that might kill our body, but it doesn't kill our soul. We come back to life. And we're with Jesus forever. So when we, the worst thing that can happen to you and I is we die. But then that's not that bad because we're resurrecting, we're with the Lord. Yes, it's sad that we're gone, but what Paul's saying here is 
We have to keep this in mind. We don't live fearful lives. Jesus Christ has defeated death. Our home is in heaven. Our victory is with the Lord. So because of that, here's what we do. But you don't have a spirit of fear, but we do have a spirit of power. Do you know how we receive power? That's that alone time with God. That's spending time with God. You want to receive uh, power in your life? That means the Lord strengthens you. That means just like Jesus, you get away and you spend time with God. Now that love, are you an irritable person? You want to be able to love one another and get along with people? That's relationships with one another? The Lord Jesus gives us the ability to love one another. If you can't love other people and you hate everybody and can't get along with a single soul, you need to ask God. Say, God, give me the ability to love and get along with folks and have friends and be a friend and serve and have a different attitude. And then knowing that, and sound judgment. That means we make wise decisions. That means we don't get trapped up in foolishness and sinfulness. Jesus Christ will forgive us of any sin, but He wants us to make sound judgment living. And how do we receive this? We receive it from the Lord. Only He can give us the ability to have power, the ability to love one another, and the ability to make sound judgment. Because otherwise, people who are spiritually lost, they live in fear. They're just scared all the time. And with world events and everything going on, there are fearful people everywhere today. This is a message for our time. We look at what Timothy was dealing with. And I imagine he was becoming fearful because he felt, I have so much responsibility. He was a young pastor. And Paul was saying, listen, Timothy, I know you feel overburdened. And I know the, it's, a, it's a weight that you're carrying having to minister to these people. But remember your mama. Remember your grandmother. Remember when I laid hands on you. Rekindle that flame, that fire, the passion you once had. The time with God will give you power, love, and sound judgment. Allow the Lord to help you with that. Do you know why Paul was able to tell Timothy what to do? Because Paul spent time with Jesus. Paul had a devotional life that overflowed to every other part of his life. Do you know why Eunice and Lois was able to spend some uh, disciple, their son and their grandson, Timothy? Because these were devout believers. If you want to have a Timothy in your life, if you want to see your children, your grandchildren, Grow up in the Lord. It's actually based on how much time you spend alone with God. Because you can't do it yourself. Our private, that deserted time that Jesus spent with His Father is what enabled Him to do ministry among all the people. And that is the same for us. We cherish and cling to our alone time with God. Being alone can be the greatest blessing or it can be the greatest curse in your life we don't want to squander the time we're by ourselves that is our time with God and then it helps every single other area we come in contact to be trying to invite you and the band to come forward we're gonna have our time of response we close this worship service with responding to Jesus some of you here have heard this message and the, and the Lord has spoken to you. And you know you need to maybe start having a devotional life. You are not, you're just too busy. You're just flat out too busy. Too much to do. And you just have to stop. Say, this is just stop. 
out of control. Go find another busy person and give all this stuff to. I'm too busy. And what's happened is your time with the Lord has suffered. And it's impacting all your other friends and family. If you want to be a better family member, have more influence over your family, step one, spend time with Jesus. And there is no step two. From, from step one, it overflows into every other area of your life. Time with Jesus, your cup, as Psalm 23 says, runneth over. And that's it. In your devotional life, f- from that, overflows to everyone else. But if you are here this morning and you don't have that devotional life and you don't have a walk with Jesus, we have our invitation. I stand down front. We ask people to respond publicly because Jesus called people publicly. This leper came publicly to Jesus. Now he was 2,200 feet away from everybody because he was a leper, but he publicly came to Jesus. If you want to join this church, you make it public. You walk this aisle right now and take my hand. We have a wonderful church, wonderful church staff. I'll be your pastor, and Broadway Baptist will be your church home. So we're going to stand together. Beecher's going to lead us in our song. Zach Bauer's going to come stand right here. I stand right here. You come make your decision this morning and what the Lord is leading you to do. All right, Zach, you come stand up here with me. So you heard.